This is the Car Religion Podcast. This is a show where we share our passion and perspective for cars. New and old. Fast and slow. Affordable and expensive alike. I'm your show host, George. And I'm your other show host, Andrew. Let's Let's get get started. Hey, George, uh, we're back after a while. You know, it's been a bit of a long time. We've been a bit lazy. Life gets busy, you know, but uh, uh, here we are. And the world is ending. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, times are changing and uh, we're kind of bored. So here we are. We're on a podcast and uh, we're hoping to get more of these out uh, while we're stuck inside, uh, you know, and having to distance. But George and I are actually not uh, together in the same room the way we usually do it. Uh, we are, uh, we're using um, Anchor to actually record our podcast uh, uh, over the internet, um, sort of on a call, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So shouts out to, uh, to Anchor because it's like, it's honestly, it's pretty cool, right? It took a, it took a few minutes for us to figure out how to set it up um, 100%, but uh, it seems to be working pretty good. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, as much as everything you hear about uh, right now is on COVID-19 and uh, how the world is ending right now, uh, we did want to do a quick episode just on what's actually going on and how it's going uh, and how it might affect the uh, the automotive industry. Yeah, um, I think um, not just the automotive industry, I think a lot of um, people in different segments are affected, therefore affects, uh, it further affects the auto industry, right? Because it's really a, it is kind of a necessity, but to a certain extent, right? But now people won't buy a car because they want to buy a car. They buy a car because they have to, right? Yeah. So I think that's like one of the biggest changes. And I think from a, from a automotive, um, like an OEM perspective, um, there's a lot of things changing from, like I mentioned earlier, sales. That's number one. Um, I think so the supply chain is affected because um, I think in North America is actually okay. It's like in, in Canada, Mexico, and US, at least transportation still open for uh, goods or essential goods and services. But it's more so like manufacturing plants, right? And then also like raw materials from overseas, from China and, and um, other parts of Asia. So, yeah. yeah, so from like a, a car, like an OEM perspective, a lot of car companies have stopped production, right? For at least the last three, four weeks. Yeah, yeah, at the very least. Um, it's like, uh, it's kind of like a two-headed snake, right? As you mentioned, you know, you've got the whole sort of the business of selling cars is down, but also the business of making the cars is greatly affected, right? You've got supply chains worldwide because this is a worldwide issue. Um, and we live in such a globalized world that uh, supply chains everywhere are affected and, and nothing is safe, right? It's not like you can just find another supplier for certain things. And auto, uh, automobiles are so complex that, that you know, it's, it's so hard to make things uh, right now because everywhere is shut down. And it's crazy. Um, but then, yeah, like you were saying, you know, nobody's going to be buying cars at the moment. And who knows 
you know, in the next three years, how many cars are going to sell. And uh, George, you have a bit of a unique perspective, especially on the, uh, the sales side um, and marketing uh, over at Nissan Canada. Um, yeah. What's the like over there right now? Yeah, so um, I can I can basically share what I can share <laughs> from of course. Uh, from a um, code of conduct, but um, basically what's happening within the Nissan network is that um, Ontario and Quebec. Um, I think when I speak about Nissan, I think it's uh, pretty relevant for the rest of the dealers in in Canada, um, the other OEMs. Uh, I mean. Um, so for Ontario and Quebec, we've been fully shut down in terms of sales for the last three weeks. Um, Quebec uh, shut down um, service as well uh, f- within that three weeks. But this starting, starting I believe, starting tomorrow, which is uh, April 23rd, uh, ser- some service locations are opened back up. Um and just due to the, the circumstances, because uh, many of you, um, your, your American uh, listeners might not know, is that Quebec is one of our worst provinces in terms of COVID cases. And um, they were in the worst scenario when, when all the shutdown uh, started to happen. And they're a little bit more strict as well as a province. So um, that being said, Quebec, uh, <laughs> Quebec's getting a little bit better. Things are opening back up. From Ontario perspective... Um, services were open, um, but the volume is low, right? So only, um, you know, people need like essential work done to their car. Um, they go into the dealer, but honestly, if people are trying to hold back, they, that's totally understandable, right? What's, what's actually very interesting is that out West, they never shut down. Um, so Not at all, eh? yeah, so yeah, it's actually it's actually pretty interesting in the prairies and and Alberta and BC. Um, it's actually pretty interesting how how they stayed open, but their cases are much better, and it's, a, it's understandable because they're more spread out, right? And true. Um, the the issue is that they're still not selling vehicles. I think a lot of dealers actually. It's very interesting because. Now you see who the creative people are, right? Um, a lot of guys are um, doing, you know, um, virtual virtual private sales where they host online sessions and uh, like it's more like an information sessions and even for training on a training perspective for uh, dealer employees, they're doing things online and I think that's really good. Um, like doing with do, do, doing with um, what you have. Uh, in in at the time of crisis, right? So, anyways, I think it's just um, a bad time for the automotive in- industry in Canada. I think a lot of um, OEMs are going to be seeing ninety to ninety five percent decrease in volume um, within April, and probably a fifty to forty percent decrease in um, in March. Because I, I believe um, from the information that I gathered before was that the first half of March was actually fantastic uh, within at least Ontario and Quebec um, in terms of sales, which is our biggest markets. Um, but unfortunately, the timing with COVID, um, basically sales literally slumped so much, even right before the shutdown, right? Because people... Um, 
stopped going to the dealership, which is totally understandable. That is the right thing to do. Um, but it's just unfortunate because a lot of dealers are a lot of OEMs, their strategy in terms of marketing is that their offers, their better offers come out uh, later in the month. And we didn't get that opportunity to do that, to push that March sale. So the March number is not great. April number is non-existent. We don't know what's going to happen in May yet. But even so, uh, I've been seeing renders all over the internet for this uh, for this new 400Z, supposed to be called, or 400Z. Uh, you know, if you're in Canada like us, uh, we say it right, by the way. We're still going to get that, right, George? We're still going to see a 400Z in the future? I hope so. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, and as far as... Um the um you know the auto journalists know uh we've seen we've heard uh the development right so as you know with infinity um they already have a very uh very nice um uh v6 a twin turbo v6 they have in in their q50 and q60s and i think that engine is actually uh very interesting because it was correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's based on the GTR engine. Is that correct? Oh, that's a good. I, I actually can't remember, but I know it's different. It's not a VQ. It's whatever their new ones are, and uh, it's very possible it's it's uh, based on GTR stuff. But I don't actually know that one either. Yeah. So um, as far as I remember, um, I think they call it the. Uh, I'm just trying to think here. Uh, it's a V something. Is it? Okay. I know. I well. Yeah, it's like a VR or something. VR thirty DDTT. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, so we know this engine exists, right? And I think they call it. Uh, it's the VR series. So. Um, after Q, it's R, right? So it kind of makes sense. Um, so I think the really cool thing about it is that since they already have, like, I guess it's different from Toyota because you know how when they developed the Supra, they didn't really have a performance engine, right? Even with their 86, they had to collaborate with uh, Subaru to be able to kind of develop that engine or build a business case to, right? So I think... Right. Um, what Nissan might do was that uh, was basically, you know, uh, with this existing engine, they can easily adapt this and work with the Nismo transmission, the Nismo 370Z transmission, and uh, throw it onto the current platform. I'm not saying um, platform as in um, like leave it as is and kind of throw throw the engine and training in. I'm saying reinforce, kind of uh, reimagine that platform. You're okay to use the same platform, but you know, uh, revise the suspension and bracing and all that good stuff, and give us a new interior and exterior. And I think. That, and when you say platform, yeah. you're talking about. Um, are you talking about the the Infinity no. one with the Q60? Or are you talking about the I'm old 370 Z? The G35 platform, yeah. Yeah, okay. Is that the same platform as the G35? It is, right? Yeah, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think, so the cool thing about this engine is that there's heritage, right? It's a JDM engine. It's, you know, it's kind of built off of the RB26, 
right? So I think it's really cool, and um, it kind of builds onto that heritage of the Zs always staying V6. So I think that's that's going to be really cool. Um, I just hope, yeah, right. So they've got bones lying yeah, around, exactly. You know, they've exactly. got the stuff sitting around, and that's not what Toyota had. Toyota needed to go to somebody else to get the bones, get the engine, and stuff like that. Whereas Nissan's got stuff lying around; they just got to put it together. Exactly, and I think uh, from from um, what we've researched about, it's they're talking about a retro styling, right? So instead of, you know, uh, following that new Nissan design language, they will probably follow more so back to their heritage of the Z card. Oh, perfect. So it's not going to look like a rogue <laughs> is what you're telling me. Well, hey, I know you have a lot of hate about the rogue, but the new, the, the <laughs> new uh, leaked photo really looks good, I think. Um, I don't like the, I mean, yeah. the two separate headlights, but... Uh, what I do like is, you know, the digital uh, digital uh, dash and, you know, all the tech in there, right? So I, I like that brown yeah. leather, man. That brown leather is is pretty. It looks like a nice place to be inside that Rogue. You know, if, if the Rogue looks like that it, on the inside and on the outside when it comes out, might change my opinion a little bit of the Rogue. But for now, you know, I, I, I like to hate on that car. I, I think... Yeah, I but, I totally see where you're coming from, but I, it's it's a competitive segment, and you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't oh, yeah. blame automakers to go like you know focus in that industry because it's the highest volume, right? So, I think to make them competitive, um, they should throw in that uh, the the V um, the VT Turbo that they have in the American Altimus. Yes, they really should use that, and I, I believe it's also in the QX50 um in the infinity so i think they throw that into yes. into the rogue and it will be com, com, uh you know it will be very competitive um comparing to you know the signature edition um cx5 where they have a turbo there as well right a 200 two and a half liter turbo there and then i think i believe uh honda has a turbo one too right the 1.4 and or okay okay so now you put it in those and that's great. That's, you know, all, all the soccer mm -hmm. moms are happy. They've got some nice speed and yeah. some turbo power. But what, what about this new 400Z? You've got your top tier model. You've got a twin turbo V6 in there. And then to compete with the new Subaru and Toyota twin, the new replacement for the BRZ uh, GT86 mm -hmm. pair, that's going to have that, uh, that turbo four. And you've also got Supras um, in other countries that have turbo fours in them. What if you put that, uh, the, the variable um, uh, compression ratio turbo four from the QX 50 into the new 400 Z and you give the people an affordable way to get into that car. And then you also have that twin turbo version with 400 horsepower, something crazy like that uh, to compete with, you know, v8 muscle cars and camaros and and stuff like that what if you have both tiers do you think that's something we could see in the future i i definitely think it's possible but i don't think that's something they will launch with that's what i'm saying they're kind of doing um clarifying i think supra when they did it though they did the v6 first right and then 
Yes, they had the inline yeah. six uh, first, and and it looks like what Toyota is doing is they're they're going for like a constant improvement and variation right. model. So as the years go by, they're improving the uh, the six cylinder. We've already seen uh, the 2021 model is getting um, a bunch more power and things like that, a bunch of upgrades to um, the model that just released two years ago, right? So already they're improving the inline six. And uh, and I think for the 2020 model year, they started selling the four-cylinder. So every year they've got something new happening with the Supra to kind of keep people interested, keep people coming back. Uh, there are rumors of a track-focused model and stuff. And so I'm curious to see if Nissan takes sort of a same approach where the first car is their twin turbo V6, all the parts that they have, they need to just sort of put together. And then after that, they start saying, okay, let's put our, uh, let's put our four cylinder in there. And all right, maybe we'll make a Nismo version now and things like that. I think that would be really interesting. So Andrew, I I totally hear you. And I think the Supra, um, I think it's, it had its challenges, right. Coming out of the gate, like people loved it, but sales is a different story. Um, But I think, to your point, the the continuous improvement. I think that's going to make uh, make the car. You know, if they can kind of stick with that price, but make continue to make that car better, then I can totally see uh, sales increasing or interest um, increasing, right? But I guess um, I guess what Nissan or even Toyota and Subaru needs to do with this coming car is to kind of create their own tier, stay in that you know sub uh like under forty thousand dollar range right because the super is going for 65 plus in canada and when you're at 65 plus you're looking if you if you include the used car market it's very very competitive like you can get a serious car i'm not saying the super is not a serious car but i'm saying a more serious car for sixty five thousand dollars right right Mm, for sure for sure. I mean, hey, you know what? Soon we'll have Supras that are a few years old, and those will maybe those will look like bargains in a couple of years. We'll have to see. But there's no manual transmission, which makes me sad. And I know it makes a lot of people sad, and I know that's not a good business case either, especially when the automatics aren't selling all that well. But I am pretty sure the Z is coming with a manual, or at least that's yeah. the rumor. So that and i want to see the thing is though again going back to my earlier point is that you know toyota and bmw when they you know develop that platform is that they don't really have that transmission lying around where nissan has a nice reinforced nismo transmission ready to go from the nismo z so i think it's more of a decision on the product planning part of right of uh, of Nissan to see what they want to do. Now, if you look at their current sales data and the current Z, you will see that you know it's going to be a 70-30 mix between a manual and the automatic. So, what do you think the automaker is going to do? Are they going to focus on that 30% or are they going to focus on that, you know, 70? That's, I'm just going to leave it right there for that one. I'm not saying yes or no to a manual, but I think um, I think we have a good chance of getting one. And, you know, 
the good thing about Toyota and BMW is that they have a nice dual clutch. Does Nissan have a nice dual clutch? Is there is that their strong suit? How is the how is the automatic no. doing in the Q60 Red Sport? Bro, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to CVT <laughs> in my 400Z. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just kind of leaving it there, and um, I'm I'm super super excited on what cars to come next. Um, I think you know it might seem so far away, and considering the circumstances that we're in right now, it's just like oh, like you know when is when is normal again? But I think it's gonna be. You know, if you look back five years from now, you, you won't even remember how long you know this pandemic lasted. You're, you're, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of, um, it's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of like you know when you go through a disaster, you might kind of you know <laughs> blocks it out or or whatever. But um, I think the th good thing is that the good news is that things are getting better. And then, uh, you know, from an automotive perspective, I ha we have a lot to look forward to. That's good. Because there are a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of rumors with this whole uh, COVID situation and automakers having to shut down their production. Um, you know, there are rumors that we're not going to have uh, a Kia Stinger anymore. I know that the... Um, the successor to the BMW i8 has been canceled. Yeah. I read that the other day. And um, so, you know, because if automakers, like you were saying earlier, if they've got to, if they've got to cut models from their lineups uh, to save costs, they're going to focus on the small percentage of sales, right? They're going to go to things like stingers, which, you know, are nice cars to have for your brand and they sell to enthusiasts, but they don't sell in volume. Right. So, um, it's really good to hear that projects like 400Z um, and things like that are actually still going through. Uh, we enthusiasts still want to have something to drive at the end of this, right? Uh, so this this really makes me happy. Honestly, whether it has a manual or not, V6, four-cylinder, whatever, hearing that enthusiast cars are still on the way even after this uh, crazy time, it, that that should honestly be enough for any auto enthusiast to smile. That should be enough for you because, um, you know, there have been times in our history where, you know, oil was expensive or there were financial crises and all of those kinds of cars went away because they just, they weren't going to sell because cars weren't selling in general. And were people going to spend excessively on sporty cars that, you know, weren't necessarily or, or uh, burn more fuel than, uh, you know, anything else that they weren't going to spend on that. Right. So I'm just, I am really happy and relieved to hear that there are cars that are either being improved or, or being brought to market that are uh, for enthusiasts. So honestly, anything I can get at this point uh, just makes me happy. So I'm really glad to hear yeah, that news from Andrew, you. You know what? I think, um, you know, times like this will kind of evolve the industry a little bit, right? Because it's like, you know, it kind of, I think the one of the things is just like pushing online shopping for cars. Um, you know, it's kind of speeding up that process, right? And I think it's going to actually, so it's actually, I'm going to talk about something interesting. This brings up uh, a topic that I wanted to chat about quickly. Is that if you look at the studies 
uh, that was done in China, right? So I, we can say that the you know their their economy is back at eighty percent um, from pre COVID. So the cool thing is there was a study done that the car buying intentions, right? And in China, people's car buying intentions now higher than it was pre-COVID because of, yeah, it's You're actually kidding. crazy because number one, the people that wanted a car uh, throughout those months never had an opportunity to get one. Number two, those ones that decided to go, you know, to, to use tr public transportation as they ma their main source of uh, means to travel are now less uh, comfortable doing that. What's the alternative? It's having a vehicle. So I think, honestly, you know how automotive industry kind of ha has been like stagnant in the last, you know, three, four years in terms of volume? I think this is actually going to be a push on that volume. Now, from a year-over-year -year perspective, you probably won't see a big lift, but it's going to stay flat. But that there's a big story there because, you know, there was two months, two, three months of no car sales. Like so literally none. Right? So if it stays, that means, you know, more people are buying in those incoming months. So it's kind of good news for, you know, people in the autom uh, automotive industry as well. So I think it's actually, there are silver linings in this. And then I think it's an opportunity um, for, you know, car shoppers, especially if you're looking for a used car. I really think the used car market is going to, especially used car price is going to drop a little bit, right? Because, you know, there's no wholesale right now. There's no auctions. All those cars are kind of just sitting in the yard. So I think once things start getting back to normal, I'm sure it's going to be a ramp up. It's not like, oh, once, you know, a stay at home restriction lift, everyone's going to go and look for a car. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that there, I think the purchase intention is going to increase. That's what I'm saying. So more people are going to be looking to get a vehicle in the future. Which makes all right. Yeah, I think it's exciting, right? I it doesn't I, I I'm not saying it's like sports cars or EV or gas, but I think for like it's good news for the automotive industry as a whole. That's what I'm saying. That is that that honestly blows my mind because I know that uh, a lot of the talk was happening about how you know China was being devastated by uh, COVID and that that would negatively affect the auto industry as a whole because pretty much the only place where auto sales were growing was China. Right. And that's where the investment currently was in the industry because that's where the growth was, especially in things like EVs. Um, and to hear that uh, it's going to recover and, and that it is recovering and that likely people will, will still want to buy cars, um, you know, at the end of all this, uh, at least in China, that, that gives hope for a lot of uh, automakers and stuff who are, currently posting huge losses. I saw some crazy numbers that uh, some of the American automakers were uh, were posting over the past couple of months. It's just insane the amount of money that's being burned. But um, if there's still demand left when things start to come back to normal, uh, we can still have hope. And, you know, that's that's really good just for, you know, people in general who work to build these cars or design these cars, but also, 
you know, the, the industry as a whole in terms of innovation and progress, right? We're not going to see um, electric vehicles sort of stop with their progress because all of a sudden we've had a crisis and now, you know, gas is getting cheaper and things like that. So uh, that is actually, you know, really good to hear. Uh, thanks for sharing that, George. I did not know that. Of course. I think it's kind of matches our topic today, right? That we're talking about. But yeah, I, I, I think obviously there's a lot of uncertainties and I think there's a lot of moving moving pieces. But I think overall we're we're high, uh, we're heading to the uh, to the right direction. All right. Well, I mean, on those uh, those couple of good notes, uh, cheer things we had to say, you know, about sports cars and China and stuff like that. Um, I think uh, we should end off here, eh, George? Yeah, I think uh, we can call it a day here. Thanks for listening. All everybody. right.